0: welcome everybody i'm happy to say that i got one of those fucked up punksters today and i'm really happy about it because i got mike from fucked up here to talk with me about the new record about the band in general and about this or that so mike thanks for being on the show thanks for having me yeah it's a pleasure For me and i guess also a pleasure for everybody who's listening right now so um as this is an an audio pod only and nobody can see it i will still ask the question that i ask everyone which band merch for which band are you wearing right now if any at all
1: oh um nothing i i don't really have any band t-shirts
0: okay So, although you're on tour so often, you don't like collect it from the tour mates or something.
1: No, I kind of, uh, I kind of stay up to my to the off to the side on tour. I saw I have a lot of fucked up shirts that I wear, like if I have to go to you know, do my laundry or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, I have I have very plain
0: clothes, which is also fine. So I'm I'm gonna just pluck the thing that I'm wearing. I'm wearing a refused shirt. So I fucked fucked up, refused, and well, kind of a similar vibe there when it comes to we names a, of the bands.
1: We just did a refused cover for a record. Ooh. Which one? Yeah. Can we already hear which one it is? Um Refused Party Program.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. I was a little bit afraid that you would now say, oh, just new noise. And I would be like, oh everybody does. I think someone noise.
1: already picked it.
0: Yeah. A lot of people did, And not a lot of people did good on it. Yeah. So, um, second question, where are we catching
1: you right now? Where are you? Um, I'm just at home in Toronto. Uh, we got back from a tour of the prairies a couple of days ago, and then I'm going to London mm-hmm. tomorrow. so like I have a couple of days at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, then the next
0: thing that I would like to know, and I think a lot of people want to know that, do you
1: guys sleep at all? Um, well, independently from the band, I, I'm i a very bad sleeper. Okay. So m- my answer to that question would be no, even if okay. was, this wasn't an interview about the band. I think I slept like three hours last night.
2: Okay,
1: But um, yeah, people think that we get a lot of work done. But on the inside, it just seems, it seems like a regular workload. It's, there's a lot of waiting and a lot of sitting around. You know what I
0: mean? I know what you mean, but then let's ask it this way. Is the band now the possibility to sustain all of your lives?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Some people, some people have uh, just other kind of careers because mm-hmm. um, they have families and stuff yeah but for me and jonah and damien right now primary and sandy primarily like the band is our is our thing that we do with our life yeah
0: and i guess you also know where that question about sleeping habits came from because um i, I looked it up on Discogs. Discogs lists cox uh, lists 97 releases for the last 22 years by fucked
1: up that seems that seems low
0: yeah, because when I looked it up on Wikipedia, it was like way in the triple digit numbers. And I was like, okay, that sounds more likely. But you know what I yeah. mean? Like, it, it seems as if you basically get something out a, once every quarter of the year.
1: Yeah, I, all I feel internally is like, I just feel the backup because we we constantly have like five or six records that are ongoing that we're working on. And so I don't really, as soon as, as soon as a record comes out, I just completely stop thinking about it. So my interpretation of the band is that we just have all this stuff that isn't out yet, that stresses me out rather than like, we have a bunch of stuff that's released, but yeah, we have, uh, we certainly have a more than our fair share of
2: uh, albums.
0: Yeah. I mean, like you're, you're, you've already passed Zeppa in a way, right? Which means a lot. Um... Uh, next stop would be passing Pearl Jam one day, but with all their touring LPs, I think that's hard. Um, Yeah, yeah. because I think they're in the four-digit numbers by now. Um, But would you have guessed that this would have been possible for the band, Fucked Up, that you started, what, 22, 23 years ago, nearly? Would you have guessed at that point that this would be possible?
1: No, because when we started, we had a rule about Never releasing an LP, and we had we had given ourselves a bit of a shelf life, and we only wanted to release a few singles because mm-hmm. I had been in a band previously that I thought put out too many records, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I formed 10, 000, up What is
0: it, What was it? Ma- ma- Ten thousand marbles.
1: Ruination. So I formed the band yeah, okay. thinking, you know, it's not cool to put out that many records. You just have mm-hmm. to. And then I taught myself the lesson by never so... stopping with this band. Is
0: that also one of the reasons why you put out so many singles?
1: Um I just we just think singles are cool. Like me and Damien were were both huge record collectors when we were growing up together. And we we had a we mostly collected seven inches and, and 45 RPM records. And then I got into mm-hmm. soul music and I was collecting soul singles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so seven inches just seemed like the perfect format. Mm-hmm and then we caught up we caught on the template we have for designing them and
2: yeah, you know you, awesome. we started
1: yeah then you sort of see people's collections and they have like five or ten fucked up burgers that all look the same and then i just thought like you know i'll just keep making these as long as i can and mm-hmm. you know and then people want to try to collect them all and i'm kind of i'm kind of i'm trying to always run a couple steps ahead of those people of you know releasing stuff they can't find or like unofficial records or like stuff that only comes out in Australia. So it's just, it's just like a fun game. It it definitely is. Yeah. And
0: I also think it's hard. And I, I think that takes the, the earlier way of crate digging that you and I both experienced, right? Going for record shops, digging and digging and digging, and all of a sudden finding something. I think that takes it to the digital level. And that is a really cool thing, I have to say. That is something that you and Val from Louisiana share, you know, like getting out a lot of stuff, different labels, different places. That is definitely cool. But it at the same time also creates some kind of mystique around the band. Is Is that also something that you are very aware of?
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm a bit of a private person, but artistically... Uh, I think we were always very aware of having to, having to craft a bit of a story outside of just the music. Um, and you know, just since I, we spent so much money and so much time collecting records, the the fucked up discography, the way I can think of it is like, you know, you can't, you're not supposed to be able to get everything you want Mm -hmm. right in life. And, you know, it's sort of like, you know, this, the search for perfection or whatever, like you just can't, you're never going to get there. So I understand that like a lot of the joy comes in trying, but it's like, I wanted to have, you know, we have so many songs and so many minutes of music and so many records. And, you know, we existed for 20, for 15 years under pseudonyms. And I used to be really into like just straight up telling lies about the band in interviews. And that was all sort of in service of saying like, you know, you're not supposed to be able to figure everything out. And Mm -hmm. I think the kind of people that gravitate towards our band sort of understand that urge on like a deeper level. Where like that's why it's interesting to follow because subconsciously you know that you're never going to figure out our whole deal. You're never going to get every record, and you probably shouldn't try to listen to every minute of our music. Mm. Um, you know, there's you want to leave th- things for people to figure out.
0: Do you then know or do you remember when you turned I wanna say when you turned public? You know, I mean like nowadays it's an open secret. And you know, I mean it's it's clear who's part of fucked up. Did you know when you decided or was that a conscious decision, actually?
2: I think
1: I think you just grow out of it. Like mm-hmm. um and we got we were getting a little bit of success and it just hiding behind monikers and it just seemed like a little lo- a, like a, a less interesting way of hiding something you know like
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh it just became a thing where you we you know we were getting a lot of press and our pictures were out there and doing a lot of interviews seems silly to have to like like i was just looking at something the other day is that like i i published a, a guardian article um but it was attributed to 10,000 purples instead of my name which was funny when i was you know 29 but looking back at on it now it just seems it just seems weird and it's more interesting to like hide stuff in plain sight anyways right like yeah we're never okay. i'm never gonna reveal like my emotions on a fucked up song but they're they're in there in like a deeper way you know
0: mm-hmm. and what also struck me uh is that you have a pretty steady lineup ever since i mean like Basically, yeah. if I correct me if I'm wrong, but all five of you have been fucked up since the beginning, right?
1: Yeah, we had been in the band for about ten years. Yeah, um, right. But but, but yeah, all five like, of you,
0: that are in now we're there at the beginning.
1: Yeah, I'm very stubborn, and also um, the way I always sort of see our band is like it's one of those like stone archways where. Mm-hmm. It seems impossible that these bricks can just be held up in a in an arch against gravity mm-hmm. but it's because they're all holding each other up yeah and if one of them fell out of the arch it would mm-hmm. the whole thing would fall over yeah. um and so you know you become just like a weird family after mm-hmm. so long and it would it would be weird if one of us um, a single person ever left the band it wouldn't really feel like fucked up anymore.
0: So would you then rather stop making music under Vermonica, or would you search for someone else to re- to
2: replace? I don't know. I mean, I write a lot of the music. And so my, mm-hmm. I,
1: I could probably just f- keep fucked up running on my own, but it, it wouldn't be the same thing. And, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's, it's like, that's an unanswerable question. Cause it'll just never happen. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Uh,
0: coming to the new record, I hope that you remember one day. That is a record that you put out a few weeks ago.
1: Yeah, a couple days ago.
0: Yeah, but at the moment when this will be published, it's already a few weeks ago. Um, uh, yeah, good call. <laughs> no problem. Do you still, I mean, like, as you said, you have, like, five or six projects. Do you still remember writing and producing that record? clearly
1: yeah yeah uh producing because it just took it took a long time to produce it and i spent two like i spent the whole pandemic basically thinking about the album without really touching
2: it so just because you you go ahead yeah
1: well i recorded it in december 2019 um and my plan was to just get it out really quickly Uh, And then the pandemic happened and we couldn't go to the studio and me and Damien weren't really in a place where we wanted to be writing lyrics. So I had a couple of years just to do all the production in my head. You know what I mean? And think about the songs and think about, think about the arrangement and sort of slowly develop a story around it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the, the actual recording of it. I I remember I went to a studio just down, down the street from my house. Spent some long days.
2: And had a record at the end of it.
0: Um, Maybe to get the chronology right, the last single that you put out was Oberon. I think it was like the third quarter of the fourth quarter of 2022, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Had Oberon already been written at the point when you started writing for One Day?
1: No. So One Day was done in 2019 and then uh i had developed sort of a very specific way of recording for it obviously and then there was do you remember that i I don't know if it was the same where you are but here like halfway through the lockdown there was like a break
2: for like a week
1: and you could go out and i like went to see a movie and stuff and i was like i'll make i'm gonna make another record like this and so i just booked another studio and it didn't work out so well but the the few salvageable songs um were the ones that became Oberon. So that was done about a year after one day was recorded. And then, yeah, we took a a couple months to do the lyrics for that and then just kind of rushed it out for, because we knew this record was coming out. So, but we wanted to just, during the pandemic, I also was just like, wouldn't it be fun to just release as many records, just to sort of keep keep the heartbeat up?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And so that was one of those. Yeah, that was done
0: after. That also makes um, the sound of Oberon um, in a way a little clearer to me but a question that I would like to ask first before we go go into details on the record are you a person whose glass is half full or half empty
2: uh, it depends what you're at it depends what about
0: no in general would you say like you're ra- rather the optimistic person or a pessimistic person
1: Oh, I don't think there is a general. Like, I'm sort of pessimistic about my personal life. I'm mm-hmm. optimistic about my professional life artist- mm-hmm. and my artistic life, you know? Mm-hmm. It really does depend what um, what we're talking about.
0: Okay. Interesting. Uh, because to me, one day radiates a lot of positivity. Um, is it just my my way of listening to it? Or is that something that you also see and maybe even want it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's an example of what I was talking about, where um, I spent a lot of my time having negative thoughts and being depressed Mm -hmm. uh, just about my my life situation often, Mm -hmm. as everyone does. But creatively, um, I always want to sort of have a guise of, yeah, being positive and like making uplifting music and lyrics. Um, because, you know, I don't think the world necessarily needs just another bummer, a bummer song. And I never really like, I never took the time to sort of like commune with lyrics and let, let the message of a song affect me. So I can see, I can see that being important for a lot of people, but I never learned that muscle. So I never... I never write my music like that if I can avoid it. And also Damien, like me and Dave, I was talking about it, me and Damien sort of have, we're like opposite polarities where he has a really lovely life and a lovely family, uh, but he has a lot of anxiety, like stitched into his work in the band. And so a lot of his lyrics deal with anxiety and negative thoughts. And so I try to be a counterpoint to that, even though like I have sort of an anxiety ridden life. I I like making, you know, I like making myself a positive character when I write music.
0: In that context, I think that title is also very, very interesting because that phrase, one day, I mean, like, so much on its meaning depends on its intonation, right? You can, you can intonate it and say it in so many different ways, and each of those ways has a different feeling, different meaning. Is that also part of the thought behind it, to have a catchphrase that is very ambiguous?
1: Um, I don't know with, about with the record. Like, I think I think the message for, for why it's called that, we try to make it pretty clear. I do like the idea of, like... You know it's got it's gonna sound crazy because our band name has held us back in so many ways like um professionally but i was really i was really cognizant of like calling the band something that was something people already always said you know mm-hmm. like and w- as soon as you hear a fucked up every time you say "fucked up in your life you're gonna take the band and it's the same thing with the record title this time, like yeah. nobody's walking around saying chemistry of common life in casual conversation, but you say one day a lot, right? And yeah, there is a lot of connotations yeah. to it, but yeah. for the record, um, it was really just meant to be like, um, like a living experiment, right? Like
2: mm-hmm.
1: you could, anything that happens in the universe, you can whittle it down to one day, right? And then it resets and you get it again.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah.
0: And also in the sense that each day, each single one day is a chance to start over again.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that, is you this know.
0: record, is this record in a way as, as positive as fucked up can get?
2: Well,
1: it's, it depends on how you listen to it, right? Like to me, it's, to me, it's sort of a count. It's like, The anti-anxiety album right because it's like you just you don't need to worry about the future you don't need to regret the past you just have to live in the moment as trite as that sounds no no it's anything that's ever going to happen to you is happening right now and the rest of it doesn't matter but you can also look at it as like what's going to happen tomorrow you know like Mm. what if what if i live this day the wrong way and i regret it So depending on who you are and what your station is, you know it's going to relate. You're going to relate to it in a different way. Yeah, that that is definitely
0: true. That's what I meant. Like it's ambiguous, but at the same time, the music itself, the music is very uplifting. And although they were written in a different chronology, but having one day follow Oberon, I think that's a genius point because Oberon to me had a lot of dark soundscapes, very sludgy, very good. Don't get me wrong. It's a really cool record. I like that record a lot. Um, But it's in some ways the total opposite, at least to me, it's the total opposite to One Day. And that is something that I liked a lot. Um, So first of all, congratulations to that. Um, Something that interests me also is... I hope that you're not offended by the term, but to me it sounds as if you are doing a very fucked up kind of college rock.
2: On the on the EP? On on one al- day. The album. On the album.
1: Oh yeah. Um I don't know. I think there's yeah, there's some songs that on this record that I think if we were in a band in the nineties it had a different name. You could hear some of those songs on on the radio. Yeah, definitely. But and yeah, I, yeah, I think um, maybe it just is existing now as like a counterpoint to the last record, because the last record being so heavy, this mm-hmm. one is going to sound lighter, mm-hmm. but it's a very like, it's a very heavy guitar record to me. It has like a lot of pop phrasings and melodies, but mm-hmm. the guitars, I think, are gnarly uh, okay. as they've ever been on fucked up records.
0: I, I can totally agree with that. Uh, that it's still a heavy record, and it's still clearly a punk record. But, you know, when listening to it, I had the image of... I always like to put records in, like, boxes, and each corner designs one part of a sound. And so the four cornerstones that I had in my mind, or that came to me while listening to One Day, was Van Halen, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, Beach Boys, and that New York band Fun.
2: Fun?
0: Um, I don't know if you can... If you can see the the connection to any of those four acts,
1: but I think, um, yeah, I don't know. It's not. I mean, that's the thing about making a record is that it's not really up to me how the sounds get interpreted, right? Like, mm-hmm. I just hear fucked up because I don't really, I don't really like listen to a lot of guitar music, and so mm-hmm. when I write a fucked up record, it's like looking at yourself in the mirror, right? You're not comparing yourself to another person that looks like you, you're just comparing yourself to what you looked like last time you looked in the mirror. And it's just yeah. like this self-fulfilling feedback loop. And it's the same with writing music, that every Fucked Up record to me just sounds like what Fucked Up sounds like now. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I can't really hear any comparisons to anything, which isn't to say that like, it's not, there aren't influences and you, you could, any person could probably point to a song and be like, this sounds exactly like that song. And that's totally fair. <laughs> I just don't have the ear to think about my own music in a different context know. Yeah?
0: But when you say there are influences, I guess that none of the four acts that I mentioned are influences, first of all, which is totally fine. But can you name one or two of the influences for one day?
2: I mean, it's... <laughs> I don't know,
1: like... I at least I went to a big beach boys period when I was like 20. So that's all definitely in there subconsciously, but like I barely listen to music now. I listen to like I listen to like classical music if I'm like writing something and I need I need just music in my ears that doesn't have lyrics. And then I listen to a lot of like dance music. Um, and so I'm sort of protecting I'm, tr- I'm trying to protect myself from influences honest, honestly like I listen to stuff that fucked up will never sound like even though we had a dance song on the last album and we just wrote a fucking opera about a horse. But yeah, like I don't music isn't really my thing um in my personal life. I have like I'm just
0: laughing. I'm 20, just laughing because somebody who has like a triple digit of numbers recorded with his band says like music yeah. is not my thing. It's it's funny.
1: Yeah, I mean if you're a chef. And you spend eight hours making food you're not going to go home and like you know think hard about what food you want to make because you did it all day
0: yeah i told i can totally sign off on that one as i have been working in kitchens so yeah there you go totally get that um but you also know what i mean right like reading it in a different context um so you've said Beach Boys. Uh, I mean, like, something that you listened to in your early 20s. Um, there are some very interest, interesting, let's say, background choirs or background vocal melodies on the record. Um, and they sound a little bit like Beach Boys, you know, some of the harmonies. Did you want to use... A lot of those very harmonious um, background singings and 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 vocals did you want to use, but intentionally to make the record a little lighter, a little bit more uplifting?
1: Yeah, I th- like a lot of times we will use hard- like melodic vocals as a counterpoint to Damien mm-hmm. to like yeah. honestly to make him stand out more. But yeah the record is so harmonious um and all the backups were done by jonah who Mm -hmm. has a really like harsh falsetto Mm -hmm. and we try to make a lot of the backups sort of like bowie style where it's like glam and it's like Mm -hmm. it's in the same way damien sings it's it's like harmonious vocals but they're extremely in your face and unavoidable and yeah it's like everything on the record is very maximal Um, and yeah, I just like glam music and, and turning up, you know, high vocals and harmonies, like it's something you can remember and sing along to, but also it's like, it's weird and Jonah has a weird voice. And so it kind of, it kind of fits, fits perfectly.
0: And another thing that struck me about the sound is that there are some songs where I have a feeling as if my stupid little ear here's some kind of string section in the background
1: is that just my imagination
0: yeah. or is that real
1: it's like uh it's electronic strings in the second song we have done a lot of strings on fuck that records but we didn't have the time to get a string quartet in so that's just mm-hmm. keyboards
0: yeah but but you know tuned or playing like synth- like strings cool but at least that i'm not totally stupid uh, yeah. I, I you see that that is something that I also like about the record. Um, as And that is something that it shares with the Beach Boys, I think. As simple as it sounds, at first listening, you can spend a lot of time digging into the, into those songs because they reveal a lot of stuff only on the 15th, 20th, 50th listen. Um, would you say that that is a trademark for good pop music or Music with accessibility yeah, it, I think that it doesn't the, give away everything at once
2: there's a
1: quote that I don't remember who to attribute it to, but like someone said about pop music that when you listen to a pop song, your ear is trying to figure out what's going on, and then as soon as you figure as soon as you figure it out, like as soon as your brain figures out what's going on in the song, whether it's like where all the melodies are or what the timing is, then you sort of stop caring about it or mm-hmm. listening to it. With different purpose, so yeah, like I just like the the thing about us us. It's like different to write it and then different to listen to, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not sitting there writing songs with that in mind, being like, Mm -hmm. I have to make this complicated so people will listen to it more. My brain Mm -hmm. it works in the same way. Like, I I want to I write a riff and then I think, oh, this would sound nice with like a fifth harmony on it on the guitar. And then it's never, it, you, it's never finished, right? You could just, like, you could just stack harmonies over your mm. lead forever, yeah. which yeah. is kind of like why we did the record in this way. So we'd have to stop doing that at some point. But yeah, the record has a lot of like intentional like counterpoint going on and does have a lot of guitar tracks overlapping because um, I wrote it. I wasn't really using guitar chords when I wrote it. It was all, it was all like a lot of interlocking one note or one string riffs. So there's definitely more, there's a bit more up to unpeel, at least of the guitars on this album. Than last time, even though last record had like nine million different instruments on it. Mm-hmm.
0: but, but then I said, like I think there some people might listen to it and discard it at first glance, like ah, that's that's too easy. But it could take you a lot of time to figure out your songs on that record. The new record is out on merch um yeah right so it's not the first one that you did with them right it's like the second or third or something like that
1: yeah but this is our second album and then we put year of the ox out on merge like Mm 10 years ago yeah and so that is a label that
0: you feel comfortable with
1: obviously
0: but you've also done or you also work with lots of other labels is that also something that is a basic trademark of the band being open to nearly everybody
1: yeah i mean we sort of have we have our little family of people that put our records out mm-hmm. um i always thought it was like it was good to have more than one hand working working the wheel you know mm-hmm. it's better to have more people that they're like fighting for you but we also just have sort of two careers happening at the same time right we have the albums which mm-hmm. is like the big releases and the big labels and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we have like the side quest albums that, yeah, there's a little bit less pressure and we can do more of them and we make less, what less quantities of them. And so you get to sort of work with your, your friends on that and there's less pressure and you're not getting mad at people for like not selling enough or like not making a post or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's been nice for us to have, yeah, to have a, have, sort of like two or three different career styles happening at the same time with a lot of different people.
0: I I can understand that. And it also totally makes sense. So Fucked Up is known as a band which likes to have projects that stretch over longer periods of time, like the Zodiac Sign Records, for example. (laughs) So is there some kind of inner strife for more complexity, more multi-layeredness in the band
1: um no i think it's just it's just fun to have like the zodiac thing specifically it's it's just like a bit of a more open canvas where Mm -hmm. i mean we're weird enough fans as it is but where we can just do really weird stuff and there are no there's no time constraints um And again, those sort of act as a counterpoint for our albums too, right? Because we make Mm -hmm. people sort of bounce between our modalities. And so people can be like some people really like the true diehard fans get really into the Zodiacs because like it's a bit of a special thing Um, and not everybody hears them and they're a little they're more challenging. And then those people Mm -hmm. can listen to those and be like, your album sucks because it's too simplistic. But then people who like our albums can be like the zodiacs are ridiculous. But yeah, Yeah. it's just it's it goes along with the thing of like not wanting everybody to be able to have everything at once. So what will come next once the zodiacs are all done? I mean,
0: like I think there's like one or two left that you can do, right?
2: Yeah, there's
1: three left. I have no idea. That'll probably take five years. So (laughs) who knows what kind of a person. Will all be, or I'll be, once the Zodiac th- series is done.
0: Just quickly hooking on to what you just said, you said that you don't know what kind of person you'll be in five years, but you still think that in five years you'll be one of the guys and fucked up.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else I would do, but also I like, you know, we sort of have made promised each other that we were going to finish that, at least the Zodiac thing. Ooh, Um, that is a good thing to say for everybody who's listening (laughs) well yeah it's to go this far and not to finish it is that is insanity
0: that exactly i mean like you're you're what are you like 80 percent of the way now and then stopping that would be yeah
1: definitely yeah and they're so fun to write that like we might just have to wrap around again and just do it you know do another series or something
0: (laughs) yeah then you go to the christian ones
2: uh we'll <laughs> probably stay away from that but yeah. yeah i would i
0: would do too it would get you into a corner of the world where no, 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 no. nah, 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 nah. Yeah. um so uh, as you've said there are so many things happening for fucked up always at the same time the question is what can we expect for the rest of 2023 a few more singles i guess but probably well... not another yes you go ahead you go ahead
1: we're just going to spend twenty three like touring, so I think we're just going to focus on this album, and play a bunch of shows, and then come back home in a year and see see where everything is at. Yeah, but there's don't, a lot of don't stuff.
0: Get to tour Europe a lot, kids.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we'll probably will. I like it there. I can understand.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Um, So, first of all, Mike, thanks for all those questions. Now we come to our little infamous quickfire round. You get two alternatives like roses versus tulips. You have to choose for one of them and give a short explanation for why. All right, I'll try. Yeah. And I'm very sure that there are one or two questions where you don't even have an answer because you don't care. But the maple leaves versus the blue jays.
1: I don't really care about either of those to be honest.
0: I know. But if you had to choose an afternoon or an evening at one of the two, which one would you choose?
1: I guess I have more of an affinity to hockey. And I did like that team for a long time when I was a kid. So I, that's my answer. I suppose to
0: um, Let's go into the music side of the world. Um, as we were
2: talking about bands with a lot of mystique, Ghost or sun? Um, (laughs) again, I've never really heard either. I mean, I've, I've
1: seen Sun, I think. I've never seen Ghost. I don't really know. I don't really know. I think that Ghost is interesting, um, and how they do their band, but I don't really know what their music is like. So I guess I'll say Sun. Mm -hmm.
0: Going into the stuff that you said, um, like collecting wise, um, you said that you liked to collect, for example, soul records. And I guess that then you're also collecting soul records from the 60s.
1: Yeah. So, Temptations versus Supremes. Uh, I think the Supremes. I think that they had, like, more room to get weird and put up stuff like Stone Love and, like, do weirder shit in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Supremes.
0: In general, Town versus Stax.
1: I was always Motown, um, because I like things to be like, yeah, maximal and and faster and poppier and more direct. Mm-hmm. I never really got into, you know, the mo- the stacks or like Joe
2: Tex or anything that stuff. It was always too slow for me.
0: You also mentioned that you like to listen to classical music at times. Um, I'll give you two Russians: Shostakovich right. versus Rachmaninoff.
1: Uh, I only really am familiar with Shostakovich, um, who I'm not really fond of. Uh, <laughs> it's always like very weird and angular stuff. Yeah. Um, I guess I have to say him just cause that's where a bit of, I have a bit of knowledge, but yeah.
0: If you could choose any other classical writer, not neoclassical, but classical, who would you choose in general? Who is like your favorite?
1: Classical writer. I mean, this stuff. Uh, if this, if I have to listen to a big piece to sort of zone out, it's like I'll listen to something. I'll listen to Wagner or sibelius or Smetana. Okay. okay.
2: And that's kind of where I'm at. It's interesting.
0: I can I conceive a Wagner thing, although I always subconsciously tell myself, "You can't listen to the guy. You can't listen to the guy. You can't listen to the guy." For like. Yeah. Political or racist reasons. But music-wise, yes. It's a little bit like a 19th century version of Boersum, right? Shouldn't listen to it, but at the same time, it's so good. Um, You're from Canada. I'll give you two. First, Rush versus Voivod.
2: Uh, (laughs) I guess Rush...
1: Mm-hmm. I think I had a couple of Boy blood records around a kid, but I could not tell you what they what they sound like now. Um, and Alex, the guy who engineers our albums, his favorite band is Rush, so I'm going to give that one up for him. Another Canada
0: comparison: Alexis on Fire versus Billy Talent.
1: I say Alexis because uh, we sort of have been friends with them for a long time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and we had a fake beef with Billy Talent <laughs> in the 2000s, uh, which was squashed but i think that's gonna have to dot points on that but yeah alexis have always been friends for us
0: two hardcore bands which were huge like 10 years ago or 12 years ago and who made awesome comebacks in 2022 city of caterpillar versus gospel i have no
1: idea what either of those things are
0: then i advise you to listen to gospel (laughs) their record from last year is one of my top five awesome
1: all right
0: um but we all know that you like a little bit of proc in your music. And I will not give you the obvious like Floyd versus Genesis. So. Vandergraph Generator versus, yes. <laughs> I don't know what that is either. Ooh. Okay. Um, I hope that the next two are familiar to you. I, I think so. The Fall of Troy versus the Mars Volta.
1: I've heard of the Mars Volta. I don't know what the first one is.
0: Also, it's it's a band of I think two brothers and a cousin. And um, I think the name is cool. Yeah, the name is cool, right? And uh, like they did something sim. They did something similar to Mars Volta. Actually, they they took hardcore and mixed in a lot of proc elements. Nice. And they always said that one of their favorite bands was. Um, was yes, I think I remember correctly. Last one, as we no, I have two. Sorry, um, the Beach Boys versus the Beatles.
1: Yeah, I was always on the Beach Boys uh, side of the fence. I thought they were like weirder, and it was personally I thought it was cool that it was sort of all coming from the brain of one weird guy, mm. and it was like more epic. So I never really got into the Beatles. And I really, I really had a Beach Boys moment though.
0: Which is understandable in a way. Um, Beatles were, in in a certain kind of aspect, always a little bit more accessible. That's true. Last one. Um, one of my all-time favorite hardcore bands versus the one who did one of my favorite all-time
1: hardcore records.
0: Touché Amore versus La Dispute.
1: Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I know, I think... I think we have some commonality with both of those bands that I haven't really heard their music.
0: Mm-hmm. Then, again, a little suggestion to listen to. La Disput, Wildlife, to me, the best hardcore album of the 2010s. Still gives me shivers, still makes me cry.
2: And Touche Amora yeah.
0: is just always awesome. Um, Mike, thanks for taking your time. Uh, hope to see you this year on stage again already seen you a couple of times but it's always fun and um all the best with a new record and i hope that when you come to europe you might have something else that i can listen to and enjoy and otherwise i will keep digging through those i
2: guess like 300 releases by now thanks for being on the show yeah (laughs) thanks for having me